SMS SAFM now on 41391. Tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. Talking about uh, prostate cancer in our closet conversations, I think uh, everyone should be tuned in on this one because it's one of those issues that... Uh, it is becoming very prevalent in South Africa, but it's also one that comes out when people are at the last stages of this prostate cancer and becomes a bit difficult for medical practitioners to uh, be able to assist with. So let's find out what some of the symptoms are and how treatment is done at an early stage. I'd like to welcome Dr. Mashaba, uh, Brighton Mashaba, who is a specialist urologist at Nelspreit Mediclinic and Busamed Hospital. Dr. Brighton Mashaba, a compliment of the new season and thank you for joining us once again compliments again uh, and uh, thank you again for having me and thank you to the listeners for tuning in so late now uh dr mashaba explain to us what a prostate cancer is all right let me start off by explaining what the prostate is uh so that we can understand each other as we go on a prostate is a sexual organ the internal sexual organ of men so it's a small little walnut organ that is found just below the bladder and circling the urethra that leaves the bladder where the urine comes out. So that is basically important for us men because it's very important for the for nourishing the sperms and the ejaculate. It contributes a lot to the ejaculate during the reproductive age. But as we grow old, it also grows old. And then that's where the problems come in. You can have benign problems and you can have the prostate cancer, which we're going to talk a lot about today, as we have promised in the previous weeks that we'll talk a little bit about the prostate cancer. So if it's benign, now you don't really need to stress too much. As long as your urine can be sorted out, you can live longer. But the problem is when you have the prostate cancer that we're going to talk about today. So um, what really... um, I want to start off again explaining what causes this and uh, what it is and all that before we get to the symptoms so it's really serious you are right when you're saying many men present when it's late and uh, difficult for us to treat and all that on its own it's got a lifetime risk of diagnosis of about 16.7 percent that's quite a number with a lifetime risk of death for about 2.5 percent so it's one of the most, most commonly diagnosed cancers in men in most countries, Sub-Saharan, Africa, though in South Africa we don't have the exact stats uh, of this, but then we're almost living like uh, those other countries where the stats are actually drawn from. So the risk factors for this is that um, you've got those that you cannot modify and those that you can modify. I'll just give a, a, a brief explanation of each. Those that you can modify is age. Anything above 50, it actually increases, peaks around 68, 70. And um, um, the second thing is about race. Um, so those who are us African men are usually at an increased risk. It looks, I think it's about one in six who will get the cancer compared to the Caucasians, which is the white people who will be like one in eight uh, will get the cancer. So we've got an increased risk. Uh, that's why I will talk about our screening soon uh, so that we can uh, tell you why it's important for us to uh, outline that. 
The other thing is heredity, uh, things that are there in the family, things you're born with, the gene, the gene line right there. If you've got a first-degree relative who's got prostate cancer, you're at an increased risk, two to four-fold uh, increased risk of getting this prostate cancer as compared to somebody who doesn't have um, that. Um, breast cancer as well in the family, prostate cancer, you know, it's the genes that are related called BRCA1 and 2. And the modifiable ones, it's mainly lifestyle. So in lifestyle, we're talking about things like um, um, there's very minimal data, but it's um, diet, obesity, smoking, is very little data, which is really not so solid. But the one data that is solid is the sexual activity. There's uh, new information that just came out, I think it's a year or two ago, which says men who ejaculate at least 21 times in their adult life. Uh, it can be ejaculation through sex, masturbation, it could be whatever, ejaculation, all in all. Actually have an increased, a decreased risk of the prostate cancer at a later stage. Um, there's a lot of talks about animal fat, eating tomatoes and all that. It, it, it's a more complex issue, which uh, has very minimal effect, but there is some small little data to say that that really have an effect, whether it's positive or negative amongst those things. So to come to your question, how do you then see um, prostate cancer? It's basically, I would classify it into basically three. I think that's easy and it's going to be easy for the listeners. Um, early prostate, locally advanced, and in an advanced prostate cancer. Early is basically uh, asymptomatic. You can't even see. It happens that you don't, you won't even know that you have this cancer. You don't have any symptom. You don't have any urinary problems. You're as healthy as a mule. And uh, locally advanced prostate, early or localized prostate cancer means the prostate cancer is still in the prostate. It hasn't uh, uh, moved out of the prostate or and metastasized in a simple term. Um, metastasis means it has spread out of the prostate, it has invaded other organs, being the bladder next to it, the bones, the lymph nodes, all the way to, to the blood system and the whole body. That you can see, um, you start getting urinary symptoms there because the bladder is affected, the prostate is quite bigger and nodular, and where you get urinary problems. Blood in the urine, some might present with loin pain when it has uh, 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 gone around, um, very little or no urine, um, uh, uh, which will be a sign for you to actually go and get checked. A general need to urinate, uh, difficulty starting urine, so you feel like you want to urinate. But when you get to the loo, you push and you push and you push and just little comes out. When you're done, you find that, listen, there's still a lot. Yet I'm done, but there's still a lot left behind. Some can control their urine because of overflowing continence. Some, when you have, you fill the urine, you actually need to run right there and there. Before you get to the toilet, you find there's a leak or something like that. And um, that's amongst some of many symptoms that are there, but I'm just highlighting the, um, the, the specific ones. And those who have advanced prostate cancer, which is metastatic, it has spread in either local region or distant region in the body from the prostate. There, it loves the bones so much. So you're going to start having bone pains, usually around the pelvis, the lower spine, 
up in the shoulders. Um, some might present with just bone fractures at the later stage, you know, and when they check and they do scans, they realize, oh, no, it's um, it's an osteoblastic bone, and they call us, we then diagnose. You can have spinal cord compressions because of the cancer, which has gone into the bone, and then there's compression on the spine, where you have loss of limb, uh, sensation, movement, and some reflexes dropping in areas of the body. And you can have some lymph node enlargement. Some can be visible, some may not be visible. And you can um, have anemia when it's now a systemic weight loss, um, loss of muscle bulk, loss of appetite. This is when it's extremely worse. Um, before I uh, uh, um, overload everyone, I'm just going to cut it there. Uh, Doc, you you make mention that we don't really know uh, what the cause of uh, prostate cancer is, but what is it that we can do to perhaps uh, minimize it or even eliminate it? Okay, so prevention is going to go back to that risk factors. The second thing I'm going to talk about to cover your question is how then do we pick it up early? Maybe I think that's what we need to really discuss the most. Mm. Um, so the risk factors, we can't do much on the non-modifiable ones. But on the modifiable ones, it's basically living healthier. Obesity plays a big role. So it's a complex connection. Staying healthy, exercising, uh, and, and the sexual activity, we just mentioned that the more you, ex- you, 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 you ejaculate, the more it reduces the risk over a long period, which is a good thing. And I think everyone will be happy with that, being it the ladies and uh, also men. But... Uh, suppose it gets to a point where we cannot even prevent it. The best thing one can do is to actually get it checked very early because cancer, prostate cancer is quite very easy to treat at an early stage, but the worst thing to treat at the worst stage. So um, early pickup at an early stage, we can get 100% cure with about 10 to 15 years survival outcome beyond that after the cure. So first thing first, um, those who need to be checked, and when, people will ask themselves, when do I need to be checked, who needs to be checked? First thing first is those who have high risk. These are men who are Africans. Like I said, we've got an increased risk of prostate cancer. moment you eat 40, in the South African Cancer Guidelines, it's advised that we go and seek for uh, uh, the, the screening. We call it a screening. So the doctor or your, your local clinic will basically do two things. They'll take your blood for PSA and they'll do what we don't like the most, the finger, to check your prostate. Um, the other man... Uh, okay, doc, so, uh, doc, the finger, what happens with the finger? Maybe let's elaborate there and, oh, okay. and try to allay fears. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, men don't like this one. Um, so basically we use our um, index finger to check your prostate. And the best way to access that is to go through the rectum where the um, feces comes out, we put in our finger and we can feel. The doctors can feel your prostate, whether it's enlarged, whether it's got nodules, whether it feels hard instead of being firm, whether the both sides are equal and all that. Only doctors can tell on that. But the worst thing about it is that it's uncomfortable and, you know, it's a bit invasive. People don't like it, you know. So, But it's the 
old golden rule of picking up all these things. Wait a minute now, Doc. We are in the late night conversations. I've heard something contrary, that it's it's a new in thing that men are now open to being penetrated uh, anally. So do we still find that with this new discovery of the prostate and it being a a, a huge part of sexual um, pleasure for men, do we still find that men are still uncomfortable with... um, with uh, their rectums being probed? <laughs> Tell you what, yes. Yes. Even up to today, I had a, a, a male patient who said, look, I'm uncomfortable with that. You know, because um, remember, it's more mainly senior citizen. I'll call them senior citizen, the elderly, who um, uh, uh, come in and at their stage, the, the age that I mentioned, but most, most of them really do find it very uncomfortable uh, for the... I'm not sure about this uh, anal penetration and their fantasies and all that. I'm not sure about that part, but uh, most of the my patients really, uh, we just have to talk them through uh, to get this test done. Mm. All right, you can continue. <laughs> okay, so yes, um, it was made men who actually have um, who are Africans at the age of forty, men who actually have a relative or successive uh, generation of uh, relatives who have had prostate cancer should be tested or screened very early. The rest of the males who don't have any risk factors that I've mentioned above can be 45 and above. Uh, that's based on the South African um, cancer guideline, the prostate cancer guideline. Yeah. So the sooner it's picked up, the better are the chances that we can completely treat it. Um, because it's still localized, it's still in the prostate, There's, the outcome is much better. All right, Doc. Um, we've got Nwanda on the line. Can we allow him to come in and just ask a question or give us his uh, his uh, view? Nwanda, good evening once again. Nunguleko, good evening. Nunguleko, please bear in mind that this is not a show of late night conversation with Dr. Kamaposa. <laughs> You're asking the doctor how about if a man gets penetrated. It is not that, but this is a delegate matter. Anyway, now, Doc. It is common cause that men don't like the stuff to put in, in the anus. Mm. Because I understand, Doc, that God mm. was not stupid, right? The anus is meant to be exit. It's an exit door. And the one that um, Patricia has got, it's supposed to be the entrance. Now, the test is obviously prostate stress androgens, right? But I think male will be more susceptible or amenable to the blood test, right? Which can dictate uh, this prostate. Now, you mentioned two figures. Um, two blacks is one over six, which translates to 60%, and twice one over eight, which translates to 12%. Now, those figures would sound negligible on the face of it, but the prevalence in black males is too much talk, quite frankly. And there's few urologists around whereby they can get together and do a massive campaign to treat this thing. And in our primary health sector, doc, there's very few males there. It's these beautiful ladies. And we don't like, again, to be pricked by ladies. You know, mm-hmm. because this thing appeared to be invasive to us. Lastly, dog, 
What about genetic engineering? Whether this cancer has metastasized or what? Can this genetic engineering be utilized to cure cancer? Doc, good evening. Wait, Nanda, before you, you go, if you know that uh, if uh, that prostate cancer is at high risk and you want to check it out, don't you think that then maybe the fears of having a female probe you at these primary health care centers and you being uncomfortable with being probed in your anus is something that you should be able to put aside for those couple of minutes for the sake of your health? I mean, you can ask a woman who's pregnant every time you go to the gynecologist, a finger or sometimes even a whole hand is inserted up your uh, vagina to check your cervix. And it's not comfortable, but you do it for the sake of your health and that of the child you are carrying. So don't you think some of these things are we should be talking about in a way that would encourage men to be able to overlook them for the sake of their health. Patricia, I agree with you fully. Remember, you're speaking to Ngonde, who is the conservative, right? Mm-hmm. I don't mind the female you know, examining me, right? Because I'm not that male, right? However, the reality is men are scared of these things. I mean, Patricia, I think you're being put in your anus for heaven's sake. Entrance, not exit. God intended the inners to be exit. All right? Not entrance. I'll listen on the radio. Thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Mashaba, please respond to God. Okay. Um, firstly, I'll address the issue of the uh, blacks. It is um, a, a significant thing um, onto that. Not only that you do get, you're at an increased risk of getting the cancer. When you are black and you get prostate cancer, you're even at an increased risk of dying from the prostate cancer. So it is very, it's, it's a big thing, uh, this racial uh, um, difference between the two. Um, so the best thing I can advise is that let's get it tested as soon as possible. Uh, and I want to agree with the three of, with the two of you as well. When it comes to, 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 to testing, let's put the stigma away because here we're talking about your health. I want to again, protect our female health care practitioners who have left their families to come there and uh, uh, they want to help each one of us. If they suggest that they want to do the finger, put away the ego. It's about your health. What is so special about getting tested by a a doctor uh, over the, the, the compromise of your health? So I really, really, really side with you guys. It's very important to put your uh, 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 ego aside. It's just you and the doctor in the room. Just get tested. They're not going to take anything. We have the confidentiality that we will not breach anywhere. Just get tested. The sooner we pick it up, I'll repeat, the better. The second thing is the engineering. Mm. So the engineering part, uh, tissue engineering, a whole lot of things, it's a big area that is being explored uh, of late. Technology is not just moving on the mobile phones, cars, flying, and all other things. Even in medicine, it's actually making a huge impact. Um, so we, it's still an area of investigation that's still going on. There are certain, now we're looking, we're looking down into the genes, the brackers, where is the problem? when you get prostate cancer, what genetic material has gone wrong, uh, uh, what tests can you do, and all those type of things. So to actually answer him on that, it's something that scientists are still busy and working on. We hope to get that cure because prostate cancer, like I said, once it's late, it's actually a pain in that uh, uh, to, to treat it. 
Let me go to uh, what's up here, and I'm just going to paraphrase this because I don't want us to get into trouble with the BCCSA. So, A-teamers, I'm going to ask you to please be kind when you are sending um, your uh, WhatsApps and just be cautious of the fact that we need to be respectful to everyone. But just to paraphrase, this one is saying, according to the doctor, who what then happens to priests and uh, other religious people who practice celibacy as an obligation and uh, find masturbation? as an immoral act. Uh, what is your advice, doctor, to such? Patricia, would you kindly repeat that? So there are priests and uh, yeah. other um, uh, religious people who mm. practice celibacy as an obligation mm. and mm. also find masturbation as an immoral act. And you had mentioned that ejaculating um, a certain number of times uh, mm. is, is, is also one of the ways that you can put prostate cancer at bay. So what is your advice for such people? Oh, well, there are a lot of factors which play a role in prostate cancer. It's not just the masturbation only which can uh, prevent prostate cancer and all lot. It's a whole lot of things, you know. Uh, most of it is actually the, the non-modifiable ones, which is the age, the genetic, and all those type of things. So even if they are on that regard, or on that concern, I don't think it's really something they need to break the bank or break their backs about it. Um, it's okay. It's all right. Doesn't mean that it's gonna subject to the subject them to the prostate cancer and all that. It's still fine because there's a whole. It's a multi. It's a multi uh, um, risk uh, disease which we're still trying to figure out how it comes about. This is just few things that have been uh, identified as the risk factors, and just one alone, not to practice one, doesn't mean you'll actually get that much cancer yourself. So it's still okay. Mm. Another mm-hmm. one here on SMS says, uh, good evening, Patricia and all A-teamers. I have a question to the doctor. I'm discharging a clear fluid from my penis involuntary with a little bit of itching. It started after having sex with my girlfriend. I thought it's an STI, so I bought antibiotics for STI, but unfortunately, it's not stopping. What can this A-teamer do? Must go and get checked. They must stop buying antibiotic. Go straight to the doctor, Atima. You heard what Doctor Brighton Mashaba says. Don't do over-the-counter medication. Go straight and get it tested and checked. Does prostate cancer, doctor, have stages like other cancers? And if there are stages or ways of grading it, can you please take us through them? Yes, um, with pleasure. And actually, this will lead us to the treatment modalities. So um, we have a way of just staging our cancer, where we look at few things, the parameters, the size of the, the, the involvement of the prostate, then the PSA blood, the blood that we took when they were screening, the PSA we call it, and also the biopsy. So we put it together and we come out with three uh, risk stratification, we call it. So there's low, intermediate, and high risk. So that risk is basically a risk to um, get metastasis from this disease or eventually die from it. Okay, so you basically don't want to get the cancer. But if you do it and we pick up the cancer, we want to find you at a low uh, risk. There we can actually get 100% cure with a long um, survival outcome from this uh, curative method that we can take. The middle one is called the intermediate. So basically... Okay, let me explain it from the beginning, what it is. If it's low, 
you find that the cancer is still in the prostate. It hasn't even spread to the other areas and all that. And the highest high risk, it's, it means that the cancer is actually, um, there are chances that the higher chances that the cancer is actually spread out of the prostate. So the middle one, it's, yeah, it has or it hasn't one of those two. And if it has, it's just usually around. So we take it as if it has slightly microscopically around the prostate. So now, the reason why we stage this um, is for us to determine the treatment, it's for us to determine the prognosis, and it's for us to actually um, discuss with the patients and tell them where they are standing with the disease um, because we want to avoid metastasis and eventually death. So the first one, which is the low risk because it's still confined in the prostate, and we assume it's in the prostate and all that, we offer them different treatment modalities. Number one is a radiotherapy, which can come in two forms. It can be, it, it's basically a brachytherapy. And um, we can do surgery where we operate on the whole prostate. And there's other small little focal treatment, which I won't discuss today. Um, the middle one is the intermediate, because we think it's probably spreading microscopically beyond the prostate capsule. We then add the two treatment. We give them hormones, castration hormones, and then we also give them um, radiation. We can use brachy, you can use external beam, depending on how it looks and how your doctor and your oncologist will decide on the treatment with you being part of the decision-making. Um, and then the highest risk, because this is high risk, the chances of it having gone out of the prostate are extremely high. So we actually tend to use trimodal therapy or bimodal therapy where we use uh, radiation and also um, 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 androgens deprivation therapy where we castrate uh, the patient. In the unfortunate cases where the patient has had metastasis um, and it's late, we picked it up late, has had metastasis, this is the unfortunate part which is very difficult to treat and our outcome are very low on that. We can put them on uh, um, chemotherapy. We can put them on long-term androgen deprivation therapy, castration, whether it's chemically or surgically. But it's something that the doctor will have to sit down with the patient, and then we discuss all the pros and cons of each treatment based on the stages of um, the disease that the patient will present with. Sure, Dr. Mashaba, there's so many things that we need to be aware of when it comes to prostate cancer and the treatment as well around it. Um, very important for us to know these things. How does one then uh, support a family member who's uh, experiencing prostate cancer? You're asking a very important uh, question, you know, and this is one of the questions I want to stress the most. Um, just hearing the news that you've got cancer, on its own. It's a burden, it's, it's a big thing. You start worrying about your life, start worrying about the ones you love, your loved ones you leave behind. And one, taking it on yourself. Some patients find it difficult to actually accept the situation. Secondly, um, it, it's something that they need to get on and understand each and every little treatment protocol. It's new jargons, it's new everything. So it's very important to get those who are affected. I'm talking those who are affected is patient, is, is patient's family or close by or the loved ones to come in on board because this patient is, we've just dropped a bombshell onto this patient to say he's got cancer 
And everyone, who, when they, they're told cancer, they think, oh, I'm dying tomorrow. And this will help them accept the disease and the condition. It will help them in the um, following of the treatment. It forms as a support structure to actually make them realize that, look, this is not the end of the world. This is something that is part of life. Uh, something some of, them, some of the times you can't even change those risk factors. It's something that you've, it's always been happening in the family. So having a strong support structure is the most crucial thing um, in, 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 in keeping this or fighting this uh, cancer thing. Because I've seen patients who just usually don't have relatives or they don't have a good support structure. It's usually a problem. There's high default rate. Um, patients don't even follow up and, and, and the disease come back um, with higher uh, uh, um, intensity and then it just knocks them down. As compared to those who would have had a good support structure and then they follow them up, they motivate, they follow uh, uh, um, all the treatment protocols that we would have given them. So it really is a very big thing that when somebody is diagnosed with this, I personally, once I diagnose prostate cancer, I call the family member, one or two, sit them, sit them down, I explain to them each and every little thing I would have explained to a patient. And then we discuss and get to the point because in cancer there's many decisions that need to be made. Uh, different decisions, treatment modalities that we need to decide on. So when the family member is there, you actually realize that uh, uh, it actually is much better and easier. Dr. Dr. Mashaba, definitely important for family members to support those who have been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Um, Thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Mashaba, once again, and I look forward to more discussions with you. Could you kindly give us your contact details? Okay. So, um, Men, um, let's get checked. We know very well that we don't want to get checked. And the reason why we actually have many problems with advanced disease in, in, in our African men mostly is because they, they ignore things, they ignore problems. Look, it's just me growing, me growing. Come in, let's check you. Even if we don't find it, we have a baseline. Tomorrow, we know when we check that we know that things are picking up from where it was, where it was normal and all that. Like I said before, if it's treated very early, we can, if it's picked up very early, we can treat it with success. And uh, you can find our rooms in the MediClinic in Nelspreet. Our number is 013-880-0933, 013-880-0933. Or visit our website, which has a lot of information um, about these conditions www.drmashaba.co.za www.drmashaba.co.za All right. Uh, Doctor, actually, I've got two questions here on WhatsApp that just came in. Okay. Um, Before I do let you go, this one asks, if the doctor decides, uh, if the doctor decides to use the finger for testing, does the male patient have the right to request to be sedated at least? (laughs) Oh, well, um, (laughs) <laughs> well, a tricky one, eh? <laughs> well, look, it's, it's, I think personally I would just sit down and just put them at ease, discuss with the patient, speak to the patient and uh, make them understand and put them at ease. I think uh, sedation, yeah, well, look, if there's other things we're going to take you to theater for, we might as well do it there. But uh, just sedation for that, uh, I, I personally think is an overkill. 
Um, remember, sedation on its own can come with many complications. You don't want to aspirate or you end up vomiting into your lungs just because you want it to be checked. Um, that can be deadly on its own over the comfort of just getting examined. So I think I would speak to the patient and say, listen, this is easy and put put them at ease and reassure the patient that um, something and the benefits of it rather than sedating because it's got more risks and yeah, it's not really wise. I, would, I wouldn't advise that. And then another one says, uh, how true is it that truck drivers are more likely to get prostate cancer because of the position of truck engines and also the time they spend when traveling? How true is that? The travelers? Truck drivers, that they are more likely to get uh, prostate cancer because of the position of the truck engine and the amount of time they spend uh, driving. No, I don't know much data about that um, per se. Um, one thing I can really link it to is if it's associated with obesity, because I can imagine they're not exercising a lot, they're just eating and all that. If they get obese, yeah, well, I would link it that way. But just sitting there, I'm not really aware of any data that supports that. Okay. Thank you so very much, Doc, for joining us. And uh, we'll make sure that we go to your site and contact you. Okay. Thank you very much. And thank you for the listeners. Excellent. That was uh, Dr. Brighton Mashaba, who's a specialist urologist at the Nelspreit Mediclinic and Busamed Hospital, talking about prostate cancer. Late night conversations. It's eight minutes before midnight.